0: to our team as have led us through our time together this morning it's great to uh, worship God together and sing those wonderful songs but also to be having that uh, time where we pray together as well you know it's uh, one of the uh, really important uh, aspects of Christian fellowship and Christian community is that whole aspect of prayer and we need to be uh, you know lifting one another up uh, constantly before the Lord and all those things which are on our hearts Well, we can continue in our series this morning in Philemon, so if you have your Bibles there, we're going to uh, read uh, the uh, letter of Philemon, verses 8 through to 16 this morning. If you're not sure where Philemon is, you go into the New Testament and it's the, uh, the letter just before the book of Hebrews... we're reading verses 8 through to 16 of that letter and paul writes accordingly though i am bold enough in christ to command you to do what is required yet for love's sake i prefer to appeal to you i paul an old man and now a prisoner also for jesus christ i appeal to you for my child onesimus whose father i became in my imprisonment formerly he was useless to you but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this is perhaps why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever no longer as a bondservant but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother especially to me but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the lord this is god's word to us this morning so let's uh, pray and ask god to uh, help us to understand this and to apply the truths in this passage to ourselves today gracious god again we uh, confess that uh, lord we've already already heard there are many things uh, about the christian faith that we uh, we oftentimes do forget lord we fail to remember and we thank you that we can have this time together this morning remembering afresh uh, the fact that you are indeed our god that your purpose for us is to bring glory to your name to grow in christ likeness so we might be witnesses of jesus christ to those around about us especially to one another here in this place but to further afield out into the community and right throughout our world but lord also we pray that lord we will remember that each of us have a responsibility to grow in in, as individuals in our faith lord And i pray that uh, that you would help us to apply the truths of this passage today to our own lives that lord that we might uh, rest in uh, in the power of your holy spirit working in us and through us to accomplish these things that we might be willing participants ready to surrender to you and to obey you in all that you call us to obey so lord now we ask for your blessing to be upon this time may it be a time lord where we indeed hear you speak to us and that lord uh that we might be encouraged by that challenged by that but also lord that we might uh yeah just uh be be blessed through this whole time we ask it in jesus name amen well, as I said, we continue this morning in this short series in Philemon. We are at three short messages, uh, commenced last week, we're in the middle of it this week, and Doug Ruthenberg will conclude this series next Sunday. To entitle this particular series, Runaway Grace, uh, as we saw last week, the central theme of this particular letter is Christian love expressed through grace and forgiveness, Philemon, a, a, a fairly wealthy man of his day, a Christian man, has been wronged by his slave Onesimus, who has run away. And it's during this time that Onesimus has providentially encountered the Apostle Paul. Uh, pro- probably uh, more, more likely, as he's a prisoner, he's a prisoner in Rome. Onesimus becomes a follower of Jesus and is a great help to Paul in his chains. However, Paul knows that Onesimus must return to Philemon to put things right. And so Paul sends him back, along with this letter, asking not just for Philemon to forgive Onesimus to, and to welcome him back as his slave, but more so to instead embrace him as an equal, as a brother in Christ. But as we saw last week, Paul's intention, though, is, is more than just to have this harmony, this relationship restored between these two men. What Paul is hoping to see beyond that is that his desire is that each of these believers will will demonstrate evidence of that true Christian discipleship in their lives so that Christ is glorified and that they can be a wonderful witness of the reality of of the work and the power of Jesus Christ in uh, in their lives too. What we see in in this letter is a wonderful example of what authentic Christian community should look like in practice. And so this morning, we're just going to pick up just on five very quick and short points this morning, focusing on this authentic Christian community. What does it look like in practice today? And so uh, if we begin our passage this morning, we see that authentic Christian community is characterized by and motivated by love. We see that in verses 8 and 9 of our passage this morning. Uh, Paul, who says he's an apostle, Paul is an appointed leader of the church, He's been commissioned personally by Jesus Christ. Of course, we don't have apostles today. The apostles were a group of, of people that right there in the early church. And as the apostles, they had been given this specific authority by Jesus. Of course, our authority now rests in the word of God. But as a disappointed leader, Paul had this unique um, ability to be able to, uh, to um, you know, give authority in the church in his day. And he would have had every right to demand of Philemon that, that he do as Paul was requesting, and that is to accept Onesimus back and to forgive him. He could have rightly said, Philemon, you are duty-bound to follow my commands as an apostle. Now, that may have worked, but Paul knew that there was a better way, and so he says, he says though I am bold enough in Christ to, com- to command you to do what is required, he says, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. Paul knew that there was this better way, this higher way, this more beautiful way, this way of love. He writes about this particular love in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 7 where he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, then I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, then I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. In other words, Paul is saying, you know, I can be the most spiritual person, the most religious person going, obeying all of the commands and all that sort of stuff, but if I don't have love then really all that it, it, it means nothing. It's useless. And he goes on to say what this love looks like. He says, Love is patient and it's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. See, Paul, Paul could have insisted, but he says, Love does not insist on in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but instead it rejoices with the truth. And Paul says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Paul said, it is on this basis, on the basis of love, that I, I prefer to appeal to you, Philemon. I think any parent here in the room today will, will, will tell you that they would definitely prefer that their children obey them out of love rather than duty. Duty's a good thing, I do. It can certainly uh, be uh, be helpful in many ways. But it's nowhere near as attractive as love, is it? Nor is it ultimately adequate as a motivating force in our lives, like love is. Paul says, I prefer to appeal to you, Philemon, on the basis of love. Of course, Christians are meant to be known by their love, aren't they? John 13, verses 34 to 35, the words of Jesus to his disciples, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Jesus has set the example. He said, I've shown you what love looks like. And just, just prior to this, Jesus has already got down, you know, he's, he's, he's stripped to his undergarments and he's basically washed the feet of his disciples Although he's the master and it should have been the the job of of his disciples to wash his feet, instead he he flipped it around and he said, you know, no, I want to serve you. In fact, Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served. Characteristic, you know, one of the essential things about love is how we serve one another. We see that love characterized and demonstrated in how we serve one another. Jesus says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus says, here is the telltale characteristic of those who truly belong to me, that they will show love to each other, the same kind of love that I have shown, that self-sacrificial love, that love that is willing to go beyond the, the extra mile to lift each other up, to to make sure that we're putting the needs of others before our own. Of course, Paul's example here Himself, you know, he, he exemplifies that love. He says, you know, I could have insisted as this apostle to, to, you know, for you to do what I'm commanding you to or I'm, I'm appealing to you to do, finally, but instead, for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. And instead of referring to himself as apostle, he says, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner for Jesus Christ. And Paul's example here is this timely reminder for all of us of how we are to treat others. Because it's all too easy to demand from people on the on the basis of our own personal agendas. It's all too easy to demand from people on the basis of our rights or our perceived position over them. But the Christ-like way is to show humility and to seek to encourage through tenderness and kindness. As some one wise person once said, you attract more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Authentic Christian community is characterized by and motivated by love. Authentic Christian community is also one in which we should should be one in which we see people's lives changed by the power of the gospel. We see that in verses 10 to 13 of our passage this morning. Now Paul's appeal to Philemon to welcome Onesimus back was based on the fact that Onesimus was no longer the same person. He was a changed man. He says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Paul is speaking about here the fact that when, uh, when, when Paul was there in chains in Rome, Onesimus had come to him and Paul had been used by God as, as God's instrument to help Onesimus understand the gospel and come to, to take those, those first steps of saving faith in Jesus Christ and then to grow in them. Paul said, that, you know, I am his spiritual father, so to speak. He is my spiritual child. And God had used Paul in both, you know, his witness in both word and deed to help Onesimus understand this wonderful message of what it is to have salvation in Jesus Christ and to belong to him and to be his child. And Paul you know was then you know able to, to as i said help him to take those first steps of faith and then to grow spiritually paul could see the evidence of the transformative power of the holy spirit in onesimus's life he says in verse 11 formerly he was useless to you but now he is indeed useful to you and to me in fact there's a bit of a word play here which we don't pick up in the english but the word the name onesimus actually means useful and so paul is saying this person who was known as useful, who was, who was actually, in fact, useless to you, has now actually become useful not only to you, Philemon, but also to me as well. There's been a change that has taken place in this man's life, a change that has, that has come about through the transformative power of the Holy Spirit at work in his heart. He's a changed man, Philemon, and, and the reality is that the, that reality is shown in how he has served me here in my chains in Rome. He was keen to point out to Philemon this wonderful change and to celebrate that fact. He said, Philemon, I'm now sending Onesimus, this changed man, I'm sending him back to you and it grieves me to lose him. He says, I'm sending not only him back, but I'm sending part of my heart with me as well. He takes a part of my heart with him. That's how much Onesimus had come to mean to the Apostle Paul. He said, it grieves me to lose him because he's such an incredible blessing to me. Of course, it's a reminder, of course, of the fact that anyone who comes to a saving faith in Jesus Christ is indeed a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 speaks about there. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Paul could see the fact that the old the has old had gone, the useless Onesimus had gone and he had been changed and transformed by Christ. The new had come in his life. The gospel has the power to radically change lives. Have you witnessed that kind of change and transformation in your own life as a child of God? Can you point to the the differences that, that Christ has made in your life Have you you told others about that? Have you told others about the fact that, you know, how you came to faith in Jesus Christ and how he has changed you and what he's doing in your life right now? You know, we should be doing that with one another all the time, constantly. Encouraging each other in the faith and saying, God is at work, let's let's celebrate that, let's look for that, let's highlight that and let's give praise, all praise and honour and glory to God for that. Paul was a great example of it himself, of course. You go back into Acts, you see that Paul was a Pharisee. He was part of the Jewish ruling council, and Paul was so zealous for his Jewish faith that he, you know, he went about trying to, to tear down these Christ followers. In fact, he was willing to put them in jail and even see them executed. When Stephen, who uh, was one of the, the early disciples, one of the leaders in the church, was, was stoned because of his testimony of Jesus Christ, we read that the, 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 the garments of those who stoned Stephen were left at the Apostle Paul as he stood there and gave approval to what was taking place. And then as Paul you know, journeyed further north up towards Syria and Damascus, we read that, 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 that Paul was in, was, was in, he came across this incredible encounter with the, with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to Paul and he says, "Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?" And of course, through that encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ, Paul himself became a follower of Jesus. And then Jesus used him to take the message of the gospel right the way through the then known Roman Empire. Paul's life had been radically changed. And there are examples of people here in this place today whose lives have been radically changed by the gospel. People today who can testify to the fact that if it hadn't been for Jesus Christ, they don't know where their lives would be today. But praise God, he has stepped in and he's rescued us in our sin and the darkness and wickedness of our own worlds and he's brought us out of that into the kingdom of his his wonderful glory and light. Authentic Christian community should be the one, should be a place in which we see people's lives changed by the power of the gospel. Authentic Christian community should also be a place where we seek to practice righteousness, especially towards one another, we see that in verse fourteen in our passage this morning, Paul writes. He says, "But, but you know, I, he said I would have been glad to keep Onesimus here with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel." He says, "But instead, in verse fourteen, I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord." Philemon. He's saying, you know, I I want to do the right thing and I want you to do the right thing for the right reasons. I've heard a number of people over the years say to me that, you know, the worst bosses that they've ever worked for have been Christian ones. That's sad. And they tell, you know, relate uh, instances where, you know, their Christian bosses have, have been Christian on a Sunday but during the week they act just like those in the world. In fact, sometimes worse and willing to take advantage of their Christian employees. As we saw earlier, you know, it was really important that Paul did not seek to take advantage of his apostolic position and presume upon Philemon's good intentions. Because Paul wanted to make sure that everything was done above board, so to speak, so that there, was, there could be no question about it, there could be no hint of any kind of you know, wrongdoing or any kind of you know, impure motives or anything like that. It was imperative then that Onesimus return to Philemon, you know, very much so because Philemon was essentially still Onesimus' owner. Onesimus was still Philemon's slave. Paul said, you need to go back to the one who still has that authority over you. But I also want you to go back, Onesimus, as a demonstration of your repentance, recognizing your wrongdoing, how you have wronged Philemon in what you have done, and to put things right. You know, as followers of Jesus, we are called to practice righteousness. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11 says this. Paul writes, It is my prayer that your love for one another may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. When we practice Christ-like righteousness amongst ourselves, when we, when we show that righteousness in our actions and in our motivations and in our behaviours towards one another, which says here that God gets the praise and the glory. Micah 6.8 reminds us that the man or woman of God is to practice justice, to, to, to do what is right, to treat each other fairly and in a right way, and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. The, Christian, the authentic Christian community seeks to practice righteousness, especially towards one another. The fourth one is authentic Christian community takes comfort in the sovereignty of God. We see that in verse 15 of our passage this morning. See, Paul could see that although Onesimus had done the wrong thing and had offended Philemon, God was still able to bring good out of that bad situation. And one of the classic examples of that is that you go back to Genesis and you see the story of Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers. His brothers were very jealous of Joseph and so they, they, at one stage they, they planned to kill him. But one of the other brothers stepped in and said, "No let's just throw him in this cistern for a wit and then when these slave traders came by they sold him off to them and he went to Egypt where he was put in he was put in prison and of course you know God you know through that incredibly wicked and evil act and the intention of those men God still was able to bring good out of that because over the time, you know, God worked in Joseph's life and God empowered and equipped Joseph to become a leader in Egypt. And he was, you know, God gave him incredible wisdom and, and, uh, and great administrative skills and things like that so that, you know, that when a drought came that hit the whole of the, uh, not just Egypt but Israel as well, that, that Joseph had over time in his wisdom stored away all this food so that he was able to provide food for, for not just the people of Egypt but the people of Israel who came as well including his own family, his father and his brothers. And so right at the end of Genesis, in chapter 50 and verse 20, we read these words of Joseph. He says, As for you, my brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Paul saw that in this particular instance with Onesimus and Philemon that, yes, there was wrong that it occurred, but, but Paul is just suggesting here in verse 15 where he says, For this it perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. Not just as a bondservant, but, but, but as a brother in Christ. Paul is saying to Philemon, you know, perhaps this occurred that God had a bigger plan here to bring Onesimus back so that there would be a, a, an even greater and a more fruitful and a more blessed relationship that you could enjoy with this man. And that together that you could serve God and bring glory to his name in your actions. We see in this whole matter between these two men, Anisimus and Philemon, God is sovereignly at work. And God uses this situation to grow each of these men in their faith and to bring glory to himself, to be this powerful witness to the life-changing power of the gospel. <clears throat> now, just as an aside here, as I was, you know, sort of just um, just processing this and, and just uh, you know, meditating upon this this week, it was just this aside that came to me. You know, those who have got prodigals in your families. We can take great comfort in this. Because even in the darkest and least likely Christian places, God can and does reach hearts. Onesimus, you know, if he was to hear the message of the gospel, the most logical place for him to be would be there in the house of Philemon, who himself was a Christian. The church actually met in Philemon's house. And yet we see that, that God actually reached Onesimus' heart there in this place called Rome. This place of absolute wickedness and evil and darkness, and the spiritual darkness, God reached that man there in that place. Brought him to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And it just reminds us that it is God who is the one who pursues us, not the other way around. We need to take comfort and heart in that. Lastly, authentic Christian community seeks to treat each other as God's family. We see that in verse 16. Paul urges Philemon to welcome Onesimus back, not just as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. He says that perhaps he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. He's a brother to me, but he's also a brother to you, Philemon, both in the flesh, in this life, but also in the Lord. There is eternal bonds that now tie you together. They were united together in Christ and we too, one another, as believers in Jesus, are joined together with Christ. There There are spiritual bonds that tie us all together as believers. And those bonds cost, you know, that unity was purchased at the cost of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we should remember that, that if it costs that much for Jesus to secure that unity, that our unity together for him, that we should be at great pains. We should be, go to great lengths in order to pre- preserve and build up that unity together as, as followers of Jesus Christ. Of course, Paul speaks further about that in, in Ephesians 3, and you can read that a bit later on. The ties that bind us in Christ are eternal ties. And God's plan is for us that we won't just spend this life together, but God says we will spend eternity together. We are not to look down on each other, nor are we to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Romans 12 verses 9 to 11 speaking about this brotherly love, says, let love, let your love be genuine. Let it be authentic. Let it be real. Abhor what is evil and instead hold fast to what is good and what is right and love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing that kind of love and honour to one another. Uh, do we seek, to, do we seek to, to try and outdo one another in this brotherly love and affection? That should be one of our goals this year as followers of Jesus Christ, as we, we seek to grow to maturity in him. One of our goals should be in order to outdo each other in showing this kind of love. Of course, most importantly, we are to show forgiveness and grace to each other. That love translates to grace and forgiveness. I ask you this morning, is there someone, are there even people whom you need to forgive? today that God is placing on your heart that you need to, make, to go to them and make sure that that relationship is put right to practice that grace and forgiveness because that's the grace like we said last week we've received far greater grace and forgiveness in Jesus Christ than we can ever have to offer to, to those around about us You know, folks, there's something incredibly powerful and attractive when the people of God seek to practice the principles that are outlined here in these verses. 'Cause when we live like this in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can't do it in our own we can't do it in our own strength, we can't do it with our own resources and our own abilities. We do have to really depend upon the Holy Spirit doing this work in our lives. And so we need to be praying, we need to be fervently praying that God will work in us and through us, that He'll give us the ability to be able to to to, to follow in these kind of footsteps, in Jesus' footsteps. And when we live like this in the power of the Holy Spirit, it it brings an even greater level of believability to the gospel that we proclaim. And even when we find ourselves in conflict, which we will inevitably find ourselves in conflict with one another at times, that at these times especially we seek to practice this kind of community, independence upon Christ and His Spirit, because that is where we will find the greatest blessing you want to live a blessed 2019, then this is the kind of life that we should be seeking to live in the life of Jesus Christ and by the power of his Spirit. That's where we will find the greatest blessing in the year ahead. And I pray that all of us will be committed to that and recommit ourselves afresh today to Jesus Christ, that we will indeed be those kind of people for him. Amen? Let's pray. In a minute, we're going to uh, share around the communion table. Again, I've been a bit remiss in not organising communion stewards this morning. So, if I could have eight folks come up here, ready to serve on the table when we, when we finish praying, that would be helpful. Don't be bashful, coming forward, guys. Um, more than eight, that's okay. You can. Uh, we only need the eight for the trays. We have five. Do we have any uh, six? We have six. Yes. I feel like an auctioneer here at the moment. Seven, eight, Thank you. Great, terrific. Thanks, guys. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, your desire is for your people to reflect Christ-likeness in their lives, so that you get the glory. And we've got to confess today here in this place that, Lord, we don't have all this nailed down. In fact, in many ways, we, we fall so far short of this in our lives, in the way we live. But Lord, I pray that the desire of all of our hearts today will be, Lord, to want to grow, to want to get better at this, the way in which we practice this authentic Christian community with one another. And so we pray for your enabling by your Holy Spirit today. Oh, Lord, we pray that your spirit would, would come and fill us afresh so that we, Lord, can, can, can be these kind of people. Lord, where we will see this, this beautiful love that is, that is worked out in our lives with one another, that is put on display. And Lord, it is a love which is so reminiscent of your love that you've already shown to us. That love, we will, we will. The Lord, we will practice this righteousness. The Lord, we will take comfort in this, this incredible, recognizing the sovereignty of God in all of this. That You are over all and above all and in all. But, Lord, we don't, want to, we don't want to do this because we want the glory, Lord. We want to do this because we want to bring you the glory. And we want to, we want to know that we can bring pleasure to you and, and a smile to your face, so to speak, as we seek to, to be these kind of people to one another and to, our, and to this waiting world. Lord, empower us. Encourage us. Inspire us. Lord, we ask it for your name. And we ask it, Lord, so that, Lord, we'll see more and more people become aware of the radical transformation that the gospel brings in people's lives. Lord, as we come around this communion table now, Lord, it's a time where we can indeed just reflect. And we can come to you and we can confess our sins before you. The fact that we haven't been these kind of people, Lord. We can come and confess our sins and know that you are a God who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And so, Lord, help us to use this time to confess today. But then also help us to use this time as a reminder of the fact that our sins have been paid for. That you have removed our sins from us for as far as the east is from the west. And that, Lord, we are able to, to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. That you give us a fresh start every day. Lord, help us to, to recommit afresh today to that fresh start of, of saying, Lord, from today I want to do better. Help me to do better. Lord, help us also to be reminded today that, Lord, that you have secured every spiritual blessing for us in the heavenly places. You have indeed given us your indwelling Holy Spirit who can help us in this and help us to give thanks for that too. Be reminded afresh of the fact that we are indeed the children of God. So, Lord, as we partake of these elements, this bread and this grape, just remind us of what it costs for us to be brought into your kingdom, for us to be united together in Christ. Help us to celebrate. Help us to give thanks. Help us to delight in you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pass around the elements. I invite you to take the bread and eat that, but then hold the cup together. That we might eat, drink in unity and fellowship together in the Lord Jesus. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we might be called the children of God and that is what we are. Let us drink and give thanks for that.